0: You're listening to Soul Work With San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. I'm your host, San. And yo, I've got to ask you a question. It's one that will shape you or break you. See, it's the question that you may not even realize is driving you to do what you do every day. What do you want? Yeah, it's time to tell the truth about that. You ready? Let's work. Hi, hello. Good morning, good evening, and good night. First of all, why? Why, Jamaicans? <laughs> why do we have to put the R there? Listen, the other day online, I saw, I think it was on one of these Jamaican sites, Proud Jamaicans, I think it was, where it was a meme that basically said Jamaicans pride themselves in messing up people's names. So the name was Heather. And the Jamaican way to pronounce it is Edda. Fam, I, and it's really Edda. <laughs> Yo, I was screaming because it's so true. I grew up in church and we had this lady named Sister Smith. For years as a kid, I thought it was two people because I would see Sister Smith, understand Sister Smith, but nobody called her Sister Smith at church. Her name was Sister Simit. Like what? (laughs) What to this day? The name Simit, it's my favorite of all names. We have no more children coming through this passageway. If we ever do, I'm naming the kid Simit, just off principle. That's what it's my heritage. (laughs) It's it's literally my Jamaican heritage. Why do we do it? I have no clue. But we love to do it and it's funny. It's absolutely hilarious. So there's my little joke for the day. If y'all can't tell, I'm in a wonderful mood. And I need to be because this topic is a little bit tough, right? But before we get into asking the question and diving deeper into that, and even asking about you and your soul, I want to do some quick housekeeping. Fam, I am so excited about season four, and we expect it to drop in November. So we're going to have this week's episode, next week's episode, and then there's going to be a two-week break. So I'll probably put up two encore episodes, and I'm giving you that advance notice so that we're all prepared and on the same page. I am having a blast doing this podcast. I hope you can tell. I hope you can feel that through the audio waves. And what that looks like too for me is more experimentation. It's priority for me to make something that brings people hope and fun and value. So you're going to hear some tweaking with certain things, parts of the show in season four, while we work on making sure that your experience with the show is exceptional. That's something, that's a goal. It's not there yet. I'll be the first one to tell you that, but that's where we're headed. And it's also why I'm constantly inviting you to share your feedback with me. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Anytime I publish something publicly, like a show or even a blog post or something like that, the desire to run and hide or take it back, it comes rushing in like the tide. Okay, It is why I am not the best when it comes to marketing my work, but we are working on that too. Um, and this is why I've said it before, but it bears repeating. The fear of being wrong and strong will have you out here wrong and strong. So, since feedback is our friend, I'm open to tightening up any loose ends that you may see. So, here's the part where I drop the email my email or my IG, my DMs are open. You can share any feedback that you have, any comments that you have, any questions you may have. Uh, so, hit me up at hello at soulworkwithsan, S A H N dot com. That's hello at soulworkwithsan.com. You can send an email there or at sanpope on IG, S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E. Okay, now the next thing I want to talk about is season four. Now, in earlier episodes, I've hinted about the topics that we're talking about, but I want to share it again because that's how excited I am about it. In November and onward, probably to the end of the year, we're going to be talking all about transitions How do you know when it's time to go? Why? Because fam, the level of people leaving, leaving emotionally, physically, socially, spiritually, otherwise, it's at an all-time high. From the great resignation with people leaving their jobs to the divorce rate spiking again during this pandemic, people are leaving long-term relationships and friendships, people are leaving their church, people are leaving their hometown and other significant spaces in their lives. So I want us to explore the process of transition, whether it be the itch or ache or wound that creates that initial restlessness to the murky middle where you know you're not where you're supposed to be yet so you're this doesn't feel like home but where you left no longer feels like home, that murky middle of uncertainty and what to do about that and then even getting to the pinnacle where you feel like you've perhaps you've arrived or perhaps you need to pivot. So everything that comes with the process of transition, we are talking about it in season four. Now I'm gonna be stretching my storytelling muscles a little in season four. So we're gonna explore some key figures in scripture and society. And I cannot wait for you to take this journey with me. So all of that to say, thank you for listening and keep it locked because we've got some real good fire coming towards you. Now with that said, today's episode and next week It might be a shorter one. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little hyped for today's episode. So let's see how we do. Um, And here's why I can't shake some of the thoughts and musings that's been happening out of our time together. When we looked at lies, we love truth. We need, this is clearly going to be an ongoing convo because we've got to talk about the lies that we tell the lies we love to live. Uh, I actually just picked up a copy of one of my favorite teachers. His name is John Mark Comer. Um, He was a pastor out in Portland, and he he just came out with a book maybe two weeks ago called Live No Lies. And my copy came in the mail, and I cannot wait to dive into it. But for this show, if you haven't gotten a chance to hear our combo on Lies We Love, Truth We Need, just go back two episodes, check out part one and two. Nothing wrong with catching up, but that'll help provide context for the parenting episode we did last week and the next two episodes this week and next week. So all of this really got me thinking, especially when... (laughs) confronted with my own uh, lie that I love, but truth I need, right? And specifically, let me tell myself for a second, what that looks like for me is not telling a lie as much as it is denying the truth, right? So I will be the one that has a hard time accepting and agreeing with reality. Like I will ignore and avoid a thing that I don't want to be true for as long as I can, Quick story, Ru and I were talking, he's been talking to me for, about the housing market for the longest time, maybe about a month or two. And we're trying to figure out what are we, what are our next steps, whatever. And he's like, son, it's exploded. And I'm going, yeah, yeah. He's like, these are the numbers. I'm going, okay, cool. But every time he would tell me the numbers of how much a house costs or what the market is saying for this price or whatever, I would always nod and be like, wow, that's crazy. And in my head, I'm going, here he goes. He's exaggerating. There's no way it's not true. There was just some sort of block there that was like, I'm rejecting that. Like, I just don't believe it. It wasn't until maybe a week or two, actually the week of the first part of Lies We Love, he showed me in the app, I think it was Zillow, one of those apps, where he's like, hey, this, this is the number. These are, this is our current <laughs> housing market that we're in. And my brain went, wait, what? You mean he's not inflating these numbers himself? He's not exactly... No, this is the actual truth, son. You've been avoiding it. And it seems like a simple thing until it's a more serious topic of a truth that you just have to face, right? So that kind of ignoring and avoiding of the truth is a terrible thing to practice in your soul when it comes to good decision-making and walking in wisdom. So if you notice, if you've been following along in my stories, you'll see that I'm heavy in Proverbs lately because Proverbs are fitting to tell you the truth, unavoidable. But then it'll also give you the instructions on how to get wise. It doesn't leave you in the lurch. And so I'm doing the work to actively embrace the parts of truth that I don't like because I don't want to end up a fool, but I also don't want to practice. I don't want to pass down this practice to my kids right? So we're working on that. And I'm purposely being transparent here with this moment because God forbid we do this show on soul work and I'm only sharing like objective or distant ways that we can get whole. And I never take the medicine or share my own wounds myself. Like gross. We, we don't do that here because everybody's getting free, including me. Okay. All right. So here's my whole point with it. It got me thinking of where are the spaces and places in our lives that we're not always honest, but it's not so obvious. So, next week, we're going to talk money. This week, I want us to talk wants, desires. What do you want? Let's chop it up real quick. Now I think it's a good place to ask. How's everybody? How is your soul? All is well here, and I pray the same for you. Now I talked about that stretching season last week, and here's an update. It's getting worse. <laughs> the stretching is on. Um, Rue and I are in this place where we're constantly asking ourselves, what do we want? Not what we think we should want, not what other people want for us, well intentioned as that may be, not even. What do we want so we can finally feel what we want to feel? That makes sense? But we're really asking the question, what do you want, right? There's this dope book called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. I've referenced it before on the show. And it talks about how it's not what we say or even the things that we do that matters as much as it is what we want. Because it's our desires, our wants that actually form us. And this is affirmed even by Jesus, because to keep it a bug, whenever he'd walk up on someone, he would typically ask them just that. What do you want? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? So we're in this space. um, We were just talking about this morning about good problems, right? (laughs) Decision making. What do we choose? And just trying to ensure that in all that we do, it's actually aligning with what we want. Now, fam, this is wild because a few years ago, my former Pharisee self, I would have seen all kinds of red flags, if you will, or things wrong with even expressing this, right? The idea that we can tell God what we want. But first of all, who else can we tell our deepest desires to? And then why would scripture tell us that he'll grant us those desires? Now, hear me healthily. I promise you I'm not going anywhere crazy. Because I'm not describing the wants of the flesh. So lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's not what we're talking about. That's actual just carnal, fleshy fleshness, (laughs) right? What I'm talking about are wants that flow from a relationship with God. So if I'm positioned as a secure child of God and I'm walking his way, then the wants that I want, he wants me to have. That makes sense. That's scripture. He'll give us the desires of our hearts, right? Of our renewed hearts. So I think the point here that I'm trying to make about the truth of wants, the truth of our desires is that it's okay, number one, to have them. And then it's okay to have confidence in our walk with God. This is not to be confused with arrogance or entitlement, right? But it's weird. Y'all ever seen some of this weird stuff in church? I'm seeing it. Here's what I'm seeing. We have a lot of saints that are walking around with this false modesty as if that's a fruit of the spirit or that God doesn't see beneath the veneer of that fake humility or, and this is my favorite, that by pretending to not want something but secretly pursue it, and then we turn around and make the public attainment of said thing look like, oh my goodness, it was the Lord's doing, right? Y'all following me here? Here's an example. So you have someone who says, who, me? Uh-uh. I don't want to be a pastor or a prophet or high title in the Lord's church. But you done signed up for all the courses. You're in all the seminaries. You're reading all the books. You're going to all of the conferences of the great ones so that you can perhaps be in the midst when the waters are troubled, be called and then be next. So then when it happens, we go, oh, my God, Jesus, Did I had nothing to do. I don't know if we feel like that makes us seem more significant. I don't know if that makes us, I don't know if we're just repeating what we saw a lot of our elders do. But can we stop that, please? Because it's not, it's not in the Bible. It's not. And here's also what that means. That kind of skillfulness, it implies that we've been taught wrong about what it means to desire or want right. And and part of that. Is that we keep using Old Testament wineskin within a New Testament wineskin framework of kingdom living, but that's another podcast for another day. Here's my bottom line we are most in agreement with God when we stop cowering and hiding and calling that humility because there is such thing as holy ambition. You're allowed to pursue, you're allowed to build, fam, you're allowed to try. Now, you can see Esther and Joshua and Daniel and Paul and Solomon and Nehemiah and Lydia and plenty of others in scripture and out for more details on this and stop putting our hands in the future of people who have their own discreet ambitions. Selah, sugar, is true. There's this scripture in Proverbs, right? Let me wrap this up. I've seen it countless times, but recently I read it again and it spoke to me differently, which is reason number 285 of why I love the scripture so much, because it never stops teaching you, no matter how many times you read it or how far you think you might've grown. Here's the passage, Proverbs 19, 21. It says this, many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now I've heard this growing up as a kid, heard people say it, heard people even preach on it. And I thought initially that this passage was a slight against planning. It was almost like you may have your plans, but God's plan finna supersede. So don't even plan. That's that's the culture that I kind of grew up in, right? Fam, there's nothing further than the truth. It's not. Nothing here in the text or otherwise says that you should not plan or dream or ideate or create or brainstorm or think critically and curiously about your future and your purpose in God. Like that's a the ability to do that is God-given. It shows that we're made in his image. It's evidence of that. What's crazy is when you study this passage, it implies it's in our nature to do just that. It's what we want. And this makes the ending statement of that passage so true, because in all of our dreaming and planning and creating, it is God's purpose that will prevail. Fam, this is good news, because God is good, and he can be trusted and has an impeccable track record. So his plan is going to be best anyway. And second, God doesn't take away our gift of dreaming and planning that he gave to us in the first place in order for his plan to prevail. You feel what I'm saying? And if I'm rooted and committed to following him, casting down a plan that wasn't his will, it will only heal and help me in the long run. Now, it doesn't mean it won't hurt and that I won't cry. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that I can trust God for a hindsight I don't yet have when I remember all the other times he's led me his way and how much richer, sweeter, and deeper my life has been because of it. Yo, this is why walking in the truth of God's love is paramount, because when you know you're loved, you won't have to defend your dreams. Instead, you'll either exchange them for better ones or realize that the ones that you already have now, are the ones he gave you. Okay, I'm wrapping up here, fam. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down, though. I I really do hope y'all are with me on this one, because I think for far too long, especially within our demographic of whether it be Pentecostal holiness, Kojic, all of that, all are welcome. I mean, everybody's welcome. But within our church culture, I'm seeing that a lot of what we've been taught about God and faith and healing and wholeness and even following Jesus, a lot of the stuff we were told holiness looks like, we can't find that in scripture. Those days of playing with people and pushing agendas that are not scripture, those days are done. Now, perhaps the teaching was well-intentioned. Perhaps there was another dastardly agenda. It doesn't make that ignorance any less harmful to the people. Because the fact that people can proclaim Jesus as savior and still walk around lacking the benefits that come from that relationship based on how he was taught, that's harmful. And the fact that when I even say benefits, people will walk away thinking material things. Oh, I'm a king's kid, so I should have a house and clothes and cars and VIP and the ability to flex on my haters and call that favor. No, fam, that's just as harmful. Now, I've already given the disclaimer in the past that God is not against us having nice things. He's against nice things having us. So here's the rub. We've got to reclaim the narrative of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's the kingdom of God. And if Jesus describes that as the kingdom of God, then we've got to ask, what does that really look like? How can we live that way? Where will our wants lead us when we're crystal clear on our calling? which is living out the kingdom of God. So all of that to say, of course, there are going to be moments where you start off wanting things that are not of kingdom interest. Of course, our desires are going to be wayward. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So this is no surprise. But the beauty of the gospel is its ongoing transformative power, also known as the sanctification process following Jesus reveals the truth about desire. That first, we've got to lay down our former desires. Grieve it, cry about it, release it, do whatever you can to let them go. Hebrews talks about laying aside those weights and sins that stumble and trip us up. And sometimes those weights are nothing more than the distractions of disordered desires. They will only slow you up from the ultimate joy that you'll get to experience in Jesus. The next step, for that, you lay down your desires, then you trust God as he places within you new desires, a new heart and renewed mind, a new worldview through which you can see others and yourself. God's going to give you a different burden and a different dream. This may look different than your parents plan for you or your pastor's plan for you or your family's plan for you or your plan for you. But if you've heard the Lord, you've confirmed it in his word and you have trusted counsel. Take the green light and go, fam. There is nothing you will ever sacrifice that he won't replace with better. That's the book. You will never regret a renewed mind and a newfound devotion to following Jesus. Yes, you will have bad days, seasons even, where you're more uncertain than you are certain, where your heart is going to break and your soul will cry. But life with Jesus will always be infinitely better than life without him. That's a fact. When you let what he wants for you be what you want for you, he'll give you what you want. Why? Because those wants will cause you to be more like him. And that's the truth. Thanks for letting me be with you today, fam. If this episode brought you some hope, or blessed you in any way, will you share it with your friends? You're also invited to subscribe to the show if you have it, so that you can get more episodes delivered freely to your device each week. I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a rating and review, because it helps us to grow the show. Thank you. Now, sampope.com is the website, S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E, that's the website. If you haven't checked it out already, please check out my latest ebook. It is called Your Soul is Worth the Work, and it was written for the journeying soul, ready to come out of bondage and move into freedom. It's up on the site, along with some cool merch too. I'd love for you to check it out. Let's take a breath, and let's keep the truth telling going. It's where our freedom resides. That's it for me. I'm signing off right here. Remember, You're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done, or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Come soon.